Um, oftentimes in our lives today, I feel like we can find ourselves struggling with stress and anxiety. I know I do. And we can find ourselves attempting to take it all on ourselves, to put all of the burdens on our own shoulders, take it by ourselves. And I think all of us at some point or another have learned that we can't do that, that we can't do it by ourselves, that it's impossible for us to control every aspect of our lives. Um, and this is talked about in our first passage of Scripture for today, um, which comes to us from the book of Philippians, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in, G in Christ Jesus. So this verse tells us that we can place our hope and trust in God when we can't place it in ourselves. And because he is our almighty father, he cares for us and loves us, he's not going anywhere. So because we have a God that is eternal, we know that he will never fail, he will never fade away. So we can place our trust in him alone instead of the things of these, this earth that will fade. And we can be assured that we will be comforted and protected with the promise of eternity with him. Because we know that there will be countless times that we will fall short, that we will be struggling and we won't be able to handle the things that are going on. But in all those times, there, none of them will there be a, God, a time when God cannot handle it for us. So many of us will face struggles and persecution on this earth, but we know that this earth is only our temporary home, and so all that pain and anxiety that we will face will fade, and that we will be able to spend eternity with God. Good morning. The scripture I will be reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Will you please pray with me? Dear God, we realize we were all brought here today to hear the words you prepared for us through Pastor Mike. Thank you for always being present and holding our hands through the things we can't handle on our own. Be with Pastor Mike as he preaches your word. Amen.
Well, I'm going to join all my young colleagues and welcome you. I'm glad that you're here in worship today, whether you're here at 5050 REC Drive or whether you're joining us as a church online. We're glad to have you uh, here at worship this morning. I, I do want to talk briefly about our fifth anniversary that's coming up in two weeks from today. Uh, we're going to have an all-together service, so that day you're going to actually have to set an alarm, even though it's summertime. And come to our 9.30 service. This could be about an hour and 15 minutes long. But it ends with cake. So uh, we're going to do a lot of the things that we're really good at here that day. But celebrate our fifth anniversary here in this congregation uh, on the, in our fourth, uh, uh, our fourth uh, permanent building that the church has been on here at, at uh, REC Drive. So we'd love to have you come uh, that day. Um, this morning at our 815 service, we celebrated some of the youth of our church. We baptized little uh, Killian uh, Milam. And we sent our youth on their uh, summer mission trip, many, uh, a handful of them and several adults so pray as they go and of course today you can kind of see with uh, with uh, our summer ministry intern Caden and uh, one of our youth ministry interns uh, Lily and then of course uh, Tyler uh, on the screen that we are very much interested in developing young Christians so if you have friends and family that uh, uh, don't don't have a place that they can call home uh, spiritually we'd love to have have you and have you invite them and bring them here. Um, also, a couple of things as we move now into our new denominational structure. Uh, we are leaving one of the pieces that's been uh, important for many of you called the Upper Room Magazine for many, many years. Uh, but we don't go uh, without a plan. Uh, we begin uh, the, our Daily Bread series. Uh, they're a, a group that's been putting out the magazine for years and years. It has a formula and a format very similar to the Upper Room. And I have to tell you, this is the large print version, and I can read it without my readers. So if you need that, grab that. Uh, we have the trial versions out at the Welcome Center, so grab one, and uh, we'll have the July. The, these come in three-month sections, which is different than the old upper room, uh, so you'll grab that. And one of the things that in this Kingdom Builders series that I've uh, really noticed and appreciated in the growth group books, and many of you take them home, they're out here if you want one, there's a QR code for every sermon. And on the QR code, if you put it uh, on your, uh, if you point your phone at it, it, it will come up with a song that matches exactly the sermon series. If you don't know what a QR code is, there's some youth in the front. They'll help you find that. Um, they don't work on flip phones. Anyway, it was funnier at the first service. <laughs> They're like, what? I want to tell you about the hike to Hanging Lake. If you don't know what Hanging Lake is, I hope that uh, you can go someday. It's, uh, it's halfway between Vail and uh, Glenwood Springs, Colorado, just off Interstate 70. It's so busy that you have to make reservations to go now, but on the day this picture was taken, there were no reservations needed. But the hike, hiking in the mountains is important. When you go to Hanging Lake, while it's true, you're going to see two gorgeous waterfalls, a beautiful lake, and it's extremely popular. There are always some things you need to know about hiking in the mountains that are important. Timing and weather. You should rarely still be on a mountain after 4 p.m. if you're hiking. So one day, as we were traveling west from Denver, about 6 p.m., we decided to go on a hike. 
up Hanging Lake, 1.2 miles up, 1.2 miles down. Now everyone on the trail that we met was coming down, which even as an experienced hiker, we should have thought, yeah, maybe we don't have time for this, let's keep going on. But though timing and weather is important in Colorado, something happened that should have been very uh, expectable. About an hour into uh, when we got up at the top, we started coming down, and I mean, it rolled in. It rolled in hard. It rolled in thunder, lightning, and it was a torrential downpour. It was raining so hard. Pastor Mike was holding one hand as he walked because his shorts wanted to droop to the floor, and nobody wants to see that. And it's raining hard, and it's getting dark. It's getting dark fast, and it's lightning, and trees are getting hit by lightning. And I want to tell you something about that. When something like that goes on, sometimes the people you're with, because we'd sent Kirby and Lisa, go to the car. They'd run down the hill. They could. But Mama T and I, we were going a little slower. But I got to tell you, when things are going bad like that, worry pops up. <laughs> and maybe a little doubt. And as it rained, and as it got darker, and as we're using our flashlights to find the path, Teresa kept saying, are you sure we're on the path? Now, on the path to Hanging Lake, there's 13 bridges that go back and forth across the creek that's running down, to, down into the Colorado River down there. And so all you have to do is stay on the path, and if you hit a bridge, you're on the path. But, but it was so confusing and so raining so hard that we lost a little bit of focus. My focus was just get down to the mountain. At very worst, I-70 will stop us and our car's down there somewhere. But it was scary, and so Teresa's focus was on her doubt of me. Are you sure we're on the path? And she, about five times she said, tell me the truth if we're lost. <laughs> I said, all we gotta do is keep going down. Tell me the truth, are we lost? <laughs> and I understand that. Because it's easy to focus. It's, it's easy to lose focus when something's going wrong. It's easy to lose focus on, for in that particular day, what the necessary task was, which was keep going downhill and don't fall down. That's all that we had to do. But then, in moments like that, and always, as Lewis Thomas says, we are perhaps uniquely among the earth's creatures, the worrying animal. We worry away our lives. We worry, it's true. Wife walked into her husband's workshop and he was just in there wringing his hands. And she said, what are you doing? He says, oh, I'm worrying. I'm worrying about the business is going to be okay. I'm worrying about whether we can get this project done. And she said, well, you have two hands. Do something about it. And he says, I am. I'm wringing them. <laughs> two weeks later, he walks into her her uh, area and, and he says what are you doing she says oh I'm just worrying and he said about what and she tells him and he says same thing she said to him she says he says to her stop worrying and she says I don't have to because 90% of the things I worry about never come true they never happen we're worrying animals we worry all the time but I need to tell you that worrying accomplishes absolutely nothing absolutely nothing Worry is always caused by fear of a future negative event, of something coming to pass that's going to be hard or, or, or difficult. You know, we, we rarely worry about whether we're going to have chocolate cake or red velvet cake, do we? Because cake's always good, <laughs> whether you're at a birthday or a graduation party. 
No, we worry about what if something bad happens? And there are some specific and particular first world American kind of problems we worry about. Are we going to have another pandemic? And if so, what's going to happen? And what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? We worry about, my goodness sake, am I going to outlive my cash? Am I going to have enough money to extend to the end of my life? We worry about if someone we love gets really sick, how are we going to be able to manage that? And we worry about, can I handle it? Can we handle whatever comes our way? We're not certain of our own strength. We're not certain of our own <coughs> emotional, our, our own spiritual, our own, our own psychological or physical stability. We worry. And listen to the ancients. Julius Caesar wrote, as a rule, what is out of sight disturbs our minds more seriously than what they see. We worry more about the unknown. And then we might say, well, duh, because I can work on, on what I see, but it's the unknown, the unfathomable, the unexperienced that, that, that brings terror to our lives, that, that makes us fear what might happen next. And Jesus knows this because Jesus knows us and he addresses our lean towards worry in this way. If you listen to what Lillian read just a few moments ago, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Now, I do want to say right now, it's important for us to differentiate between worry and anxiety, okay? Those are two things. They might be cousins of each other, but worry is, is a concern regarding like a perceived threat or something bad that might happen. Anxiety is a different cat. A anxiety is all-encompassing. It takes over your whole personality, and sometimes it will handcuff you so you can't function appropriately, and I, I rarely do this, but I do want to tell you, if anxiety is one of your struggles, or if you know someone that's struggling with anxiety, go to the Marian Methodist YouTube page, or go to Marian Methodist Watch Live, and roll down to January 22nd of this year, uh, because we had an expert, a psychological expert, talk about anxiety that day, and we preached a sermon about anxiety that day, but I'm differentiating that from worry because anxiety, I think, is more handcuffing than worry because worry has a little bit more transient nature to it. And Jesus' encouragement is change the way you worry. Change the way you relate to your worries. See, if you want to test your memory, try to recall what you were worrying about a year ago do it uh, so I got my iPhone out and I flipped back to June of 2022 and what was I worrying this week in June 2022 I was frankly worried about two really huge things would Gonzo and Jared take the job here and would they be any good check check amen I was also a little bit worried about the fact that we were facing a, a summer of 412 and, and uh, ministries of Fly and some other ministries. Can, can we get through a summer when we're running three staff people short? I was a little bit worried about that. And I was a little bit worried about whether my tire company could ever fix my leaking tire. I thought that three visits would be enough. I was incorrect. It's okay now. 
But please, if I'm standing there, pick me up on the way by. And I, I still, you know, in June last, I looked at the calendar for, for the week prior and, the, and this week, and one of the great joys in my life was organizing, because I'm still fortunate enough, Teresa and I are still fortunate enough that we get invited to graduation parties and, and wedding uh, parties and anniversary parties. So we had to manage the cake schedule, which is really important to me. Cake and ice cream. It fits me well. But what do we worry about? I, I think it's a great ex um, exercise for you to go ahead and take a look back and say, what were you worrying about a year ago? And does it matter anymore? Um, that'll give you some perspective. Worrying is not good for you. The scriptures say, worry wears a person down. It feels like you've put a backpack on with 50 pounds of rocks and, and, you, and you, you worry and worry and then when something happens or it doesn't happen, it feels like you put that backpack down and you just feel free. And of course, the Lord's perspective is, we'll start that way. Don't, don't weigh yourself down on purpose. Profound worry can cause messes on every level of us. You know, here, 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 you know. There's an old, I'm sure it's a Bible school story that we told years ago, but there's a story about a fellow. He was a carpenter. You've probably heard it. And every day when he got home, he would go out into his front yard as he was walking towards his home, get out of his truck, and he'd walk towards this little tree, and he'd touch it here and touch it here and touch it here and touch it here and touch it here. And his neighbors watched this for months. And finally one day one of his neighbors said, what are you doing? When you get home, you touch your tree here, here, and here. He says, well, that's my weary tree. My worry tree. He says, worry tree? What are you talking about? That's a crabapple tree. He says, no, it's my worry tree. And what do you mean? He says, well, he says, when I get home, I put my worries about my job, about my financial security, about this and that, and I leave them there outside all night. And it always amazes me how when I wake up in the morning and I go to pick them back up, how there's less of them. I love the story of the worry tree because it reminds us that if we carry them with us all the time, it doesn't help us. John Lubbock wrote, a day of worry is more exhausting than a day of work. It's easier just to get up and go to work. Now, I believe all those things are true. And this many minutes into my talk, I, I want to, to remind you that while I do hope to motivate you and encourage you to deeper spirituality when I speak in the church and, and have the privilege of, of sharing the everlasting gospel, this is a sermon, not a motivational talk. This is not a TED talk on three ways of how not to worry or anything like that. It is a reminder for, for you to know that worrying won't ever benefit us. It won't ever benefit us. Has it ever helped you has it ever aided you? Has it ever helped you have more wisdom, more comfort, more joy, more strength for your task? Has it, has it really ever helped you? As worry, will you go home today and say, oh, you know, I heard what the pastor said, but I got to tell you, I'm in love with worry. It's my best friend. It's a tool I carry with me all the time. Now you may, but it also might be one you want to set aside. Because when, when, we, when, when we say, you know, has worry ever helped you? Actually, the opposite is true, I believe. Worry doesn't grow strength. 
It, it doesn't bolster your confidence. It doesn't like just pour joy down upon your spirit. It doesn't enlighten you with, with a lot of wisdom. It actually takes some of those away. Worry can, can, can lead us to be less hopeful, less confident, less wise, and it helps us not to think rationally sometimes because when we're worrying about things, it's generally not rational. There's things we should be concerned about. You know, like when I watch Bible school and the kids are up here singing, I think it's natural to be concerned that like, can that little boy step back a little bit? Concrete hard, boy soft, right? But, but to worry about over and over and over that everything that we encounter is going to turn out poorly, that's, that's not really where the Christians should be. Christians, you, you need to hear this. Worrying is the opposite of trusting the king. That should almost be a repeat after me thing. That worrying is the opposite of trusting the king. Scripture addresses the concept of worry and fearing the unknown with clarity. I, I looked it up on the internet, um, or as people in my generation would say, I went on the Google, you know? And when you're on Google, I said, how many times do the, in the scriptures does it tell us not to worry? And the answer is, well, it depends on who you listen to. Because it's somewhere between 100 and 365. So the answer really is a lot. It talks about a lot. And in the scripture, God stresses the importance of avoiding worry. Uh, of we, we must be careful in, in our worry or in our hurts. That See, what happens is some people get so involved in worrying and so involved and so, so overwhelmed with their hurts that they think that God or his created order is out to get them. And I've had that when, when people say, well, why is the world out to get me? Why is everything that God is about trying to catch me or crush me? And, and that's not what, what it's about. When you feel that way, I want you to hear the very simple encouragement that some of us have known since we were just little shavers. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Thou art with me. There is no place God ever is except beside, around, in front, and behind us. When we're facing whatever it is that we're facing, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how, how threatening it might be, how much we might be worrying about it, we don't have to pray that God will be with us. That's the only place God ever is. He's with us consistently and persistently. And we need to understand that even though God is with us, there are moments where we will fail in life. Things will not work out the way exactly that we would love them to work out. Not everything's going to go well in our lives because we're part of the human experience. And imperfection is part of the human experience. We cannot evade it. We cannot step aside with it. We can't crush and run over it. And we Christians are to form a healthy relationship with God and understand that his eternal grace and mercy is always pouring down upon us. Then we will realize that though there are moments when we're not certain how things will work out, and there are, there is no real need for us to worry about them. The, the scriptures tell us don't worry about anything. Caden read this a few moments ago. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. That's all-inclusive. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. 
Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, and his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, stuff is transient. Life is not about stuff. I mean, goodness sake. Think about this. Anybody over 21, 22, you didn't drive the first car you ever owned here, right? You've either crashed it or cashed it somewhere along the line. And, and most of you that came to worship today, particularly those of us that are over 30 or 40, you don't wear the same kind of style of clothes that you used to, do you? you know, some of you need to think about it. But um, <laughs> there's some work to be done here. I understand that. But everything that we have, anything that we can tangibly grab, it, it comes and goes. It's transient. That's not where our hope is. What, what's important to know is that our, our hope, our, our health is in relationships. It's in relationship with God and God's people. And so it's important for us to know that God loves us and takes care of us. That, drink that in. When we worry, it's important to know that, that God loves you and takes care of you. And so in this series, when we're talking about kingdom builders, kingdom builders focus on extending the kingdom that God has built. And so we, we, we say, don't be afraid of tomorrow because God's already there. We can worry, but why would we worry about a place that God has already preceded us to? We have to listen to the scriptures where it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, which is to say, what am I seeking? What am I seeing? What am I looking at? Am I looking at the fact that God's got the whole world in his hands, as some of us used to sing in Bible school? Or are we looking at something else? We need to understand again and again. We know it intellectually, but we need to drink in the fact, fact that God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. And his plan includes caring for us, even when we have fears and trepidations all around us. It includes all the troubles that you might encounter. It includes all of the difficulties that are unfathomable everything that might come to us in the world. Eugene Peterson is a fellow that a couple, a generation ago, I guess at this point, wrote a book called The Message. And the book, The Message, is actually his interpretation of the scripture. So it's not a translation, it's kind of a paraphrase. But I love what he did here to Matthew 6, first uh, 34 in specific. He writes this, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get all worked up about what may or what may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. God will help you deal with it when it comes. So what are we seeing? What are we seeking? We are told over and over again by the church and by the scriptures that we need to simply be in the presence of God. And I want to remind you that as a pastor, as a person, as a Christian, I know that that's easier to say than do. Because I, I will sit down, or I'll even kneel down here sometimes, often actually, but I'll sit down in my home, get ready to pray, and I'll, I'll just want to be in the presence of God. And I'll sit there, and I'll think holy thoughts, and then almost within about 15 seconds, I'll be like, why does the door to the garage not close right? <laughs> right? Are you with me? 
And, and, and then I'll like spiritually slap myself, knock it off, Mike. Get back into the presence of God. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll start really trying to think and connect and be in the presence with God. And, and I'll, in my heart, I'll be like, you know, I might say the Lord's Prayer or the Apostles' Creed, and then I'll say, no, but really, why doesn't it close right? Because we get distracted easily. We need to forgive ourselves in that. But when we're seeking the presence of God, when we're, when we're looking to build God's kingdom, because we get distracted easy, what we have to do is dedicate some volume time because we can't always get the quality we want, so we have to get quantity. It's just like when we raise our kids. We want quality of, quantity of time, and we only get that when we have a lot of quantity. So, so we seek to be in the presence of God with regularity and, and with sincerity, and I'll tell you, if you're seeking it, the scriptures already tell you, you'll find it. It might not be immediately. It might not be every time you look. But we have to seek to be in the presence of God. And when we seek to be in the presence of God, we need to really try to be fully present for God. We need to push those worries about garage doors or what's for dinner or why is this chair not as soft as it used to be? All those kind of things. And really seek to be fully and completely present to God. I tell you, it will bless you. I know it will. It does me. It, it has thousands, millions of us before our time. And remind yourself of what it says in, in one of the growth group books for this uh, particular series. When you're tempted to worry, think instead of what you can do to further the kingdom of God. Don't, don't worry about what you can't do. Just do your part. Do your part in the kingdom of God. You don't have to build a whole kingdom. And that's one of the beautiful things about the scriptures. If you read Ezra and Nehemiah, in those books, they talk about rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And what, what, they, what Ezra and Nehemiah do is they don't say, we need to build a whole wall. What they say is, build a wall right in front of your home. Just focus on this little area. And when we're building the kingdom, we don't have to build it all. Just build it right close to where you live right close to where you have your relationships, right close to where the Lord is calling you. You don't have to, some of our students are going to Kansas City this week, but you don't have to. You're gonna be right here. Build the kingdom right here on earth and trust God when you're building for him for the results. Don't have to do it all yourselves, but don't worry about it. Just do what God calls you to. So, we're going to take the last couple minutes of our time today and, and we're going to do something a little bit slow. Those of you that are part of the church online, it's going to be a little bit more quiet than you're used to because we're going to take some moments of quietude here. Um, the words will be on the screen for you, so I'd ask that you fully uh, engage uh, with this. Um, but what we're going to do here is we're going to do a little bit of a meditative closing that's based on Psalm 46 verse 1. So I'm only going to say a few things in short sentences at that, but I want you to hear what God is calling to us through that, to, especially in regards to our worry and especially about how we are to build kingdoms. Uh, you may want to have eyes closed and face down. Uh, you may want to look at the screens because the words will be there, but they're not very long sentences, and it's the same sentence that keeps building from Psalm 46 uh, verse 1. And you can just say it alongside me. So let's, let's be in an attitude of prayer and then I'll get us going here. Be still. And you say, be still. 
Be still and know. Be still and know. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know I am. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am Lord God, in the quietness of this place, in moments where sometimes there's noise all around us, we ask that you slow us down just a bit, that you remind us in every day that we can be still, we can know that you are the great I am and you are the God of the universe, you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You are the one who was and is and is to come. You are the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're the holy parent of every one of us here. And so, Lord, help us from time to time to simply be still, rest and revel in that. Let our worries fall onto the floor like the rain comes from the sky and let them run away from us. Because you are ours and we are yours. And frankly, we don't need anything more than that. So we praise you, God, in the stillness and quietness of these moments. And we ask you, Lord, without hesitation or apology, to rush to those five or 12 or 15 of us in here that are what we call in our culture worry wards. Be their compound W that takes it all away from them. Rescue them from their worry. Let them see the fullness and glory of your greatness with sure and certain affirmation that you are their God. In the name of you, the one and only, the firstborn from the dead, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.